Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bargo-Miles, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me as per usual is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Um, I mean, fine, I guess. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I'm still a little thrown by the fact that, like, we had this weird glitch right before we started recording, and I keep waiting to, like, discover that I accidentally, like, fell through the multiverse and I'm in, like, a completely different universe, and, like, I don't know, you mentioned your beautiful white cats, Baker and Hammer, or something. Um, oh, you know my cat before Baker and Hammer? My Minerva was all white. Oh, no, I did not actually know that. Yeah, she was deaf. Because most cat, a lot of white cats are, are deaf, so she's my deaf little fluffball. Anyway, I'm just I'm 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 having kind of one of those moments where I'm like waiting for the universe to like be extremely weird. Um, I mean, but- that's kind of the timeline that we're living in. Yeah, so... I know. Oh well. Anyway, um, we are also joined today by our semi-regular new podcast guest uh, Emma O'Neill Dietl, who's here to talk with us today about a show that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Hi, Emma. Hello. I'm very glad to be here. I feel like we shouldn't call her a guest anymore because she is kind of like a real girl now instead of like a freelancer. Like she's one of us. So like she's kind of like a semi co-host. I guess. I mean, no pressure. You don't have to. You don't have to claim. You don't have to claim this mess. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I will let you tell the people what we're talking about today. We are talking about the second season of the most wonderful show, Good Omens. (laughs) I'm just going to say before we start all of this, if you have not watched the entirety of the second season of Good Omens, please turn off this podcast and come back to it after you have. There is literally no way we can discuss this without massive, massive spoilers. And I, quite frankly, I don't want to. So um, (laughs) if you haven't seen it, uh, consider this my heartfelt exhortation that you should go and watch it immediately. If not sooner. Um, and come back to us for this discussion after you have. This is a full spoiler warning for this entire show. And if you keep listening past this point, well, I don't know. I tried. Um, I just want to, um, before we talk about the ending, um, I, I just want to say that uh, going into this season, I was very nervous. Mm, um, yeah. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that Good I, mean, Omen- I think we all were. Yep. Yeah, Good Omens as a novel, which came out, I don't even remember when it came out. It was in the 90s, like 19, 19 it might be 1990, actually, but okay. it's somewhere around there. I, I read it around 1992, um, and it was one of my absolute favorite Neil Gaiman's of all time. Um, and the thing about the thing about it was that when they said they were going to do a TV adaptation, you know, it came around the same time as the TV adaptation of American Gods. And the first season of American Gods was great, but different and did a lot of changes to the book. Um, whereas I was extre- like, even though they told the, even though they said, you know, we're casting Michael Sheen and we're casting David Tennant, like it just there were so many things that could go wrong. And then season one was basically perfect. Um, and how do you follow up perfection? And how do you follow up perfection even more so with a, a, a season that doesn't have a book to follow? Well, I will, I will say for the record that um, uh, Brian Fuller handled the first season of American Gods, who I adore, mm-hmm. um, but who, you know, can be a lot yes. in terms of like the TV that he makes. And I think that he had a much stronger influence on that first season of American Gods than perhaps Neil did and by the way it's Gaiman Gaiman um sorry I just I've been such a Neil fangirl for so long I'm like I must defend him even though he's like liked a tweet I've made on Twitter and signed a book for me and that's the extent of our interactions in the course of my life he did draw me a Dalek in my copy of American Gods though so nice Venn diagrams anyway um Neil has talked a lot about Neil, Neil wrote Good Omens with the late great Terry Pratchett And he has talked a lot in the past about the fact that although they never wrote another story in this universe, they talked a lot about what would happen if they did. And a lot of those elements are actually in the first season. It's where John Hamm's Angel Gabriel comes from. And some of those things are apparently, if you listen to him talk now, most of those things are not apparently in the second season. The second season is the bridge to those things that are hopefully, or I will just 
pick it outside Amazon for the rest of my life, coming in the third season that will be greenlit after the writer's strike. But I think there is a plan, sort of, even if there is not a book. And that at least made me feel, I don't know, better, better than if it was just like Amazon being like this was really successful and made us a bunch of money. Please make another season. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that I was I was worried that there was too much of that going on. So when I sat down, when I first saw the trailer and the synopsis and realized that what I was actually getting was a canon piece of fan fiction that literally felt like something I had read, in fact, may have in fact been something I had read on Archive, archive of Our Own, um, I, I, I was like, oh, okay. I could do this. I could watch fan fiction. I I feel that I feel that I also have to say that I have to identify because Greg has called me out on this before as referring to AO3 as a thing that people know what it is, even though I suspect yes. like the majority of people don't know what it is. AO3 is archive of our own, which is the internet's like largest fan fiction resource slash hub. Yeah. Go live your best lives. Check it out. Yeah, seriously. It won a Hugo for a reason. Anyway, point being, um that I was very uh, I, once I once I sort of thought of this as watching a a, a tele a, a televisual version of an AO3 story, I was a lot less nervous about what I was getting into, and I feel like that is in fact what the show delivered. Emma, what do you think? Um, I was also nervous going into the second season. After I saw the trailer, my biggest worry was that they were going to lean too much into the heaven-hell bureaucracy and basically try to do the good place. And nobody can do the good place like the good place. So I was very, very worried. And that worry went away almost immediately because the charm of both the first and the second season is how entrenched in humanity they are and how they become themselves more human and the weird little humans that they interact with. And I think that the second season did capture that atmosphere as well as the first season. Yeah, I have to say, like, one of the things I think that has interested me, that, that has interested me a lot, is that um, the Good Omens fandom has exploded since putting it on TV. Like, it was, a, it was a kind of a cult thing when it was booked, but when it became a TV show, like, it got a lot bigger. And I feel like the TV series fleshed out a lot of the sort of background stuff in the book, which is an extremely rare experience. Usually it's the other way around. Um, and I feel like part of the reason why season two also worked is because it continued that fleshing out of the universe that w was created for the Good Omens book um, in a way that the book never even managed to do itself at the time. I mean, I think it's it's a lot of the I know everybody that has seen the first season, the thing they always mention is the big like 28 minute cold open in the third episode that sort of takes us through you know, like millennia of Aziraphale and Crowley together and all the various things they, they, you know, get up to. It really is one of the most striking and beautiful moments of the first season. It's gorgeous. And a lot of this season has a lot of those elements. Some of it, I think, works better than others. I could have done without the zombie stuff, which, <laughs> yeah. well, I always enjoy seeing Mark Gatiss pop up in anything. Uh, I thought was sort of stupid. But I'm not here for zombies. I mean, it also, like, I got to revisit the whole Blitz thing, which is honestly, like, that scene, the scene where Crowley saves Aziraphale's books from the Blitz is honestly one of the most romantic scenes I've ever seen on television. Come to my house and fight me. I am right. <laughs> and it's it's gorgeous. And this, this season, I... I mean, nobody's going to be surprised that one of the big reasons that I like this show... I actually really disagree with you a little bit that it's fan fiction. I think there are a lot of elements to it that are that feel like fan fiction because uh and neil has said this for years and years is that this is a love story and you can interpret that in a myriad different ways because it's a love story of many different sort of themes and parts and it's human and it's divine and it's ineffable and it's celestial or whatever but it's about love in mm -hmm. in every way you can choose to define that and i think that's still what this season is about and what this story is about. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I think the reason you think it feels like fanfic is because we don't normally... Our television nowadays really encourages us to be like, 
incredibly suspicious of sentimentality. Mm. And Good Omens doesn't do that. Good Omens no. wants us to feel literally everything all the time. And and it's not ashamed of it, and it's not anxious about it, and it's not trying to sugarcoat it as being something else. It's like, this is a is a love story. Either get on board or don't. I felt like there was a level of more romance in this season than last season partly because there isn't there isn't an apocalypse to be inverted you are so wrong you are so wrong you go too <laughs> okay. fast for me crowley are you kidding me okay hold like... on hold on hold on i felt like this i'm season sorry was Emma's much... face right now i wish you could have seen it <laughs> okay hold on hold on um i'm gonna let emma talk in a second because she's very bad at interrupting us and she really needs to get better at this um but i i want to say that i felt like Part of season two's joy is that it was much more unabashed about the romantic um, parts of it. And I feel like that was a re- direct result of Bridgerton making romance no. more mainstream. Okay, cool. I understand you completely wrong. disagree with me because of course you do. All right. First off, let's let Emma talk. Well, I agree a lot with Lacey, what you said about this sort of embracing the romance and and just allowing it to to flourish and be what it is. And I really think that this season in particular was also such a love letter to the fans, to the people who have really invested in this show, and specifically a love letter to queer fans, not just in the relationship at the center of it, but just the casual queer representation, the casual use of they-them pronouns for God and a bunch of angels and demons just... It was unbelievable. And I think that my my bar for how much a show can affect me and destroy me is the last episode or season finale, whatever you want to consider it, of Doctor Who, which will be unsurprising um, for, to both of you. But that... Wait, which one? The, the last one, The Power of the Doctor, the one that oh, was oh. the finale... And that, oh, see, my answer to that is forever doomsday. Okay, so different strokes. Well, different strokes. <laughs> but that that was horrible because, in part, it did not feel like a love letter to the. Fa- I mean, it was it it had a lot of fan service in it, but the emotions just weren't right for me, and it just was not handled the way I thought it should have been. So this was such a palate cleanser, even though the ending is tragic. Um. It was so good. It was so right. Everything about it was very well done. Um, I, uh, I first of all, I, I love the ending, but I also love an ending where where we have so much sadness. Um, one of my favorite romances of all times is one where um one of the two lovers has CTE and is basically slowly like dying the entire time because I don't know I'm a really weird person. Um, but anyway, uh. Point being that I actually loved the ending and the ending was for me, um, like I understand immediately why everybody wants Good Omen 3. Of course I do. Like, of course you do. And, and, and I do too. But also if this is where the show ends, I'm okay with that. Annie, are I, you kidding me? Go to jail. Immediately to jail. <laughs> What's wrong with Listen, you? I cried my eyes out while, while Crowley was driving away. Okay. I cried like a baby. And that to me was, I mean, I, I, yes, I, I also did, but you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I could live Go with to that jail, being directly the end to because jail. I, I don't know. I could, I could totally live with that being the end. Also because no, that, there's that and, moment, it, there's that moment when, 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 okay, well, let us first of all, talk about what happens at the end. Um, because instead of just sort of like vaguely referencing it. <laughs> In fact, we should probably point out the plot because we forgot to do I mean, that. The plot, too. the plot of good, the plot, the plot of good doesn't matter. Really, like not True. that important. It, the basic strokes are that John Hamm, who plays the Archangel Gabriel, shows up at Aziraphale, who is the angel of the story, played by Michael Sheen's bookshop in Soho, and he is stark naked because he has been cast out of heaven and lost all of his memories and doesn't know who he is. So the basic arc of the season is that Aziraphale, aforementioned angel, and Crowley, demon, played by David Tennant have to eternal life partners bffs etc cetera, etc cetera, uh have to figure out what happened and and hide gabriel from the searching forces of both heaven and hell who are looking for him because of reasons, reasons. and 
like that's that's basically like the plot the things that that plot spawns include like romantic matchmaking where azir fell and crowley are trying to get like the neighbor ladies who run to other shops to like date each other you know there's like mystery hunting there's a song that uh keeps playing on a jukebox in an edinburgh pub in edinburgh pub gosh greg's got me saying edinburgh and it's the best song ever and buddy holly is the best ever (laughs) oh i know i want you to talk about your buddy holly obsession (laughs) the song is um Every day, every day, is that what it's called? Yep, every day by Buddy Holly, who I've been a fan of since I was a small child, and this was the greatest gift to me ever, ever. As soon as I, because they've been using that song in promotional materials for a long time, and my number one wish, more than I wanted any sort of relationship, anything, or any, you know, cameos, whatever, no, my number one wish for the second season was to have diegetic Buddy Holly. And we got so much of it, and I'm so happy. <laughs> it did stay stuck in my head for a good, like, five days after I watched it. It's it's really, like, airwormy. It's a great song. It's still stuck in my it's head. It's a great song. Yeah, Rob was Rob was very confused when I started <laughs> playing Buddy Holly in the car. That's There's a bunch of clues. Um, Aziraphale gets to drive the Bentley, which is pretty great. Um... Because, it's our like I said, car. he's apparently just adopted a very like expansive view of personal property rights. <laughs> now that Crowley like lives in the bookshop, basically, let his plants come inside. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> and so, anyway, the point of all of that being that the larger overall plot is not that important and is actually like resolved really quickly. <laughs> yeah. In the last episode, so like, don't stress about that. As with much of. The first season, this is the story of Aziraphale and Crowley and the way that Aziraphale and Crowley's relationship sort of reflects and deepens kind of like the ineffable plan of the almighty for humans and the world and the universe, et cetera, et cetera. It's really like wonderfully like messy and complicated. One of my favorite things about this is, is that show. the show works on so many levels when you say it's a love story because it is a love story. It's a love story between an angel and a demon. It's a love story between various humans. It's a love story between, like, Adam and his friends in the first season. It's a love story between Adam and his dad in the first season. It's a love story between God and humanity. Like, it's just, the layers in it are just so good. And it's really just very in evidence here. Alright, um, so Lacey, when you, uh, when you finished watching the final episode, um, in which Crowley and uh, and Aziraphale basically fail to get together. Like they have their kiss, they give us what we want, and then uh, basically uh, uh, Crowley has finally opened his heart, and Aziraphale's like, "Oh, by the way, I'm going back to heaven. Sorry, bye." Um, that is not how it happens. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I feel like I probably should have opened this episode by saying that I am a diehard Aziraphale Crowley shipper and will literally fight strangers for them. So please be aware of that. Yes, I, I when you email me about this episode, people. Anyway, point being, um, that the uh, this we we get what we 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 get what we what we wanted, but we don't get what we wanted. And your response to me was, "I am in so I am so in my feelings. I have Bible quotes, so <laughs> I really need you to like go into that for me." Um. So I will try to keep this brief. One of as I just said a second ago, I I got a little bit messy about it a minute ago but one of the reasons yeah everybody that listens to this show knows that i love stories that are also stories about faith and religion and belief and i think that good omens being a literal story of an angel and a demon and heaven and hell and god and the ineffable plan is is one of those things and i love so many aspects of this because it's really about faith like, this is a show about faith, and I don't necessarily mean, like, faith in that you have to believe in something. I don't know that Good Omens really particularly cares if you believe in its idea of God or not, but Good Omens wants us to believe in something bigger than ourselves, and that can be God, and that can be each other, and that could be love. It could be anything. But um, I watched I watched the second season. I watched the first five episodes because... Honestly, Neil is a monster who requested that the finale not be sent to critics. So uh, I had to I watched the first five episodes. The tonal shift is is a bit whiplash whiplash-esque when suddenly, like, oh my god, I'm crying, they're crying, Michael Sheen is crying, they're kissing, 
they're breaking up. Crowley's leaving. Michael Sheen is crying. I just, I'm crying. It was a big mess. And I was not really prepared for that. And so I literally like had to sit in my feelings with it for a while. And I think, I think what I came up with is this. I don't think it's a, I don't, I, I don't think it's a, to your fanfic point, I believe that this is the point in every fanfic where the people believe that they are, can't be together for whatever reason. They have to break up and they go away. Yeah, it's the dark but then moment. It, it all comes right in the end, and it does. And I really, but I believe that not because of the fact that I read a lot of fanfics and and watch rom coms, but because at the end of the day, this is a story about faith, and like we have to have a little faith. And Hebrews describes faith. Uh, I think it's. I looked it up before we started recording this. It's Hebrews eleven, like verse one through six or something like that and it's faith is that it describes faith as faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the substance of things not seen which basically means that you have to believe in something even though you can't see it but the whole finale is basically about making us see it before before the breakup even happens like they've signed they signpost it throughout that episode with gabriel and beelzebub getting together proving it's possible with maggie and nina talking about how they want to get together, but it's not the right time for them. And they have to basically have faith that they'll still be there for each other when that time does come. And I always, of course, think about, you know, I mean, faith faith is a promise, obviously, but it doesn't mean that it's immediate and it doesn't mean that it's easy. And it means that it comes in God's own time, which I think is something else the show has been telling us repeatedly. How long have Crowley and Aziraphale been on Earth? Like 6,000 years? Mm -hmm. They've been, you know... It's taken them six thousand long to six thousand years to kiss for the first time. This is not, <laughs> it's not like a a short term fix. But I just think that the story itself, through all of the tropes that it uses and all of the religious imagery that it uses, like just encourages us to have faith that they're going to be fine. Like the second coming is going is not going to destroy the world. That God's plan is still God's plan, and it is still in effect. And my favorite Bible verse, and it's actually on my license plate, uh, is Psalm 35, which is, I always quote the end of it. So let me like do the beginning. The beginning of it is uh, Psalm 35. It's for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. So joy is coming in the morning, kids. <laughs> okay. That's my messy speech. Okay, cool. I love them. I would die for them. Um. I uh, I'm trying to figure out how to explain because you two now think I'm a complete monster that uh that 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 I am perfectly okay with with Crowley and and uh, it's uh, it's well I mean you could be okay with it but it would go against every single narrative signpost the story has put up along the way not to mention the fact that it would be a very cruel god that's like do you know what the real ending of this story is everyone ends up miserable alone and alone enjoy the apocalypse bitches <laughs> um. The thing is, is there is a moment, and I wrote it down, where Maggie says, we're real people. You can't just pair us up for your amusement or something quite, something to that effect. Um, and I felt like the breakup at the end was that. What? Was a little bit like... There, you can't, you can't just get them together for your amusement. They can't just be together because you want it. They've spent six thousand years getting together, right? But I, I, I felt like you get okay. You get your kiss, but Emma you don't looks get like she's sweating. Please, please, please speak up here because I will literally just like okay. shout her down. No, seriously, like Emma, you need to learn to just interrupt us. I'm not kidding. The problem is, I have so much to say, but also nothing to say you know i have like a mental <laughs> this show does have that effect on people like i just feel like i've had like this sort of just like ball of feelings in my chest for like a week now and i don't know what to- i've written about it i've talked about it i'm podcasting about it and it's like not going away yeah <laughs> so that's the problem i'm experiencing it. right now yeah okay uh, so, so emma please 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 try and and express <laughs> because i just don't I, because in order to to believe your your argument you have to go against everything that that the show itself has showed us and neil has told us about the fact that this is a love story like i mean and prior to maybe like the past few years we probably would have had to really accept a version of this that was a lot more wink wink nod nod than this one is so i celebrate that we get this one where it is the text is made very explicit but i just you know there is no universe in which they're being shoved together at the end of that episode i'm sorry 
Okay, Emma. <laughs> I think I'm gonna leave that argument there because mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I think it could really go a long way. But my uh, sort of uh, other side to Lacey being full of Bible quotes is me being full of queer theory. Um, for how this is, I a love really how on brand we all are on here. Voltron, Voltron. <laughs> I mean, it's such a queer narrative, and I love shows, movies, books, whatever media that is a queer narrative, whether it's explicitly gay or not. And this is something I've heard people say a lot about the Barbie movie, which I'm seeing tonight. So I can't say anything more about that because I don't know. But <laughs> Annie, I haven't seen it yet either. So shut up. Okay, no more about it. I was talking to Annie, not you. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I cannot wait for your reactions when you finally see it, because there is a moment in the Barbie movie where for the first time in 45 years on this earth, I saw myself represented. OK, OK, I'm very excited. I'm seeing it tonight. I'm super excited. But anyway, yeah, just the idea that a show can be a queer narrative, whether or not the characters are explicitly gay. And in this case, it's both. It's a queer narrative about when when it's time to abandon the the structures, the societal norms, whatever, you know, have been. Um, and you can read into it as much as you want. I don't it's not saying that heaven is like or Christianity in this case is homophobic. That's not what this narrative is. But it's the idea of heaven as a system that has oppressed both Aziraphale and Crowley and they respond to it in just opposite ways and they take that into their relationship and it causes problems but I love it as a queer narrative and I love that it is also explicitly gay on a lot of levels it's very special to me I mean honestly like the fact that it is explicitly gay is one of the things about it that is so just really shows where we are in 2023 in terms of what we can show on tv and i do feel like it is in that way sort of almost a landmark like if if i'm looking back in 2050 i feel like good omens as a series is a thing that you will that we will hold up as a moment in culture at this time that really sort of encapsulates the early 2020s. Maybe. I just think it's interesting because it's clearly an explicit choice. Mm -hmm. Because you can, and I probably have before, uh, make the argument that, like, you know, they don't need... Like they don't. I I would have gone to my grave believing that Aziraphale and Crowley are in love with each other without ever needing to see them kiss or any of that, because it's like literally written into every interaction that they have. And on some level, it makes sense to me that like, oh, they're divine beings. They're former angels. They don't like have the same bodies or physiology or like chemical makeup as humans. So maybe they don't approach concepts like relationships in the same way, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's a reason and I know that popular culture has kind of erased this from people's minds. There's a reason that angels in the Bible always, when they appear to humans, start with telling people to be not afraid. Because if you ever read a description, like a biblical description of an angel, angels are terrifying. Yep. Like, angels are terrifying. I'm like, sorry, they're they have, not David Tennant hot. <laughs> like, they have, like, hundred-eyed wings and, like, multiple heads and, like, they're... Like, there's a reason they say, be not afraid. So, I mean, I, I don't know. There's just a lot of ways. I feel like they don't have to, they didn't have to make it as explicit as they did. As they did. I would have believed forever that they were in love with each other for all eternity without any of that. But I'm glad they did it. Hmm. I am too. So, as someone who is not religious, because Emma, you are the non-religious one of us. How do you? F- no, no, I'm I'm curious. How does the religious? Well, aspect I mean, there's pl- a scale here. She's not me. I just, <laughs> no, 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 I don't no. Where no. you fall on the scale? <laughs> right. Like I, I, like I, I, I was. I, I, I'm Jewish. I, uh, you know, Christianity is sort of that other thing that everybody else does. Um, <laughs> and I've always sort of like there. There's a bit of an othering that has always ha- that's always been like a, a factor of my life when I tell people I'm Jewish. So I'm sort of. I'm I'm used to that, and I'm used to Christianity being sort of the the standard that everybody else is doing. Um, and I'm just curious, as someone who was not raised in any kind of religion, like how the religious stuff comes off to you. 
You know, it's interesting because it didn't really occur to me a lot in the first season that I was, you know, missing something or, or not, you know, not getting it because of religion. I think it does a really good job of just being a story. But mm -hmm. watching the second season, especially with the Job story, I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> Really? <laughs> I, didn't, I mean, I could figure it out, but I just got the sense with that and, and with a lot of the rest of the second season that I would just appreciate the show so much more if I knew more about Christianity in the same way that when I watch Marvel movies, I think I would understand these better if I had read the comics. It's like, it's just like I that. I mean, not to, not to be like, hi. <laughs> but um, the Job stuff was actually my favorite part of the whole season. It was certainly it hilarious. Just, I mean, like, it, was. it was hilarious. I would buy shoes from Bill Dad the Shoe Eye, just saying. Um, <laughs> he could, I can get sandals from him. It's fine. And he's an expert in obstetrics. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, the Job stuff for me just plays back into what I was saying before about the larger, like, this season is, like, the season of faith. This is the story of faith because that is the story of Job. The story of Job is basically he has to lose everything before being rewarded with divine revelation. Like, the moral of it is that we have to have faith in God even through, like, incredible adversity. Even when, like, the worst things possible are happening to us, we still have to believe in the Almighty and in, the, um, in, in God's plan for the best for us and stuff like that. So... That is another example that I'm right, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I right. kid, I kid. I just do, I do love that story. I think it's beautiful the way that they do it in the show. Because again, like some of the stories in the Bible are really, uh, really uncomfortable in, in the way that this, this little segment makes clear where God is like, well, I killed all the angels of the Lord. Like, well, we killed all your children, but here's some new ones. But it's like not acknowledging that like the children that existed are gone and i i don't know this is it's just really really well done and also i love build at the shoe white so speaking of the fact that um obviously there is a deep desire out there for good omens three and as uh, I don't know how many people follow Neil on various social medias, but he's like raring to write it. So pay the writers, people. Yeah. They can't do anything because of the strike. Yes. He, he actually said he had to take his posties. He had to take his postie notes down. Um, so I just want to know, other than the obvious, which is that uh, is that, that our that our that our, our love affair is cul culminated and these two get together and spend, I don't know, another 6,000 years hanging out together in, in going and getting, you know, coffee at the best named coffee shop ever. Give me coffee or give me death. Um, Internet lore says they retire to a cottage in the South Downs. Well, actually, that's not internet, internet lore, lore. That's Neil. But apparently he said it on the internet a while ago and screenshots are forever. Okay. So, uh, it, other than the two of them retiring to a cottage in the South Downs, um, hopefully with bags of coffee from Give Me Coffee and Give Me Death, uh, uh, what do you want to see from a season three? I have a lot of thoughts. I have spoken on this at length with some friends of mine trying to decide what, what we want from season three, because I don't like the theorizing. I don't want to theorize. I don't... Because then it w if if I'm right, if my theory is right, then I've ruined it for myself. So I don't have theories, but I do have a wish list. My number one thing, well, two things. I would, three things. Number one, cameos. I want more cameos from everybody from both seasons. I want the children to come back. I want to see that they'll definitely be adults by then. But the kids from season one, I would like to see how they're doing. Uh, I definitely want Gabriel and Beelzebub to come back. I really hope that happens even though they've gone off to live in marital bliss on Alpha Centauri or whatever. But I would like first, the first thing that has to happen is they have to return to being equals. I think that this season leaves Crowley on such the back foot. And what I like so much about their dynamic is that they are exactly equal. And that's got to get fixed. Um I don't want to see them being on such uneven footing for too long. That would make season three very disconcerting. And I I think what I would like to happen is for them to become human. I feel like that is where this has all been going. They've been existing as humans. We can't end season three with just saying, all right, well, they're immortal, so they're just going to like mess around on Earth forever. No, 
I think they're going to become human. And then I would be fine with them messing around on Earth forever. Just no, for I narratively it wouldn't be satisfying. I think they have to make a huge sacrifice and become human and live and die as humans. That is that is the one theory that I will have. Okay. Um, second question before we get to Lacey. Will you be reading fan fiction on AO3 about what could happen next? No, I don't like the idea of, like I said, I don't like theorizing and I don't, you know, I, I do believe in Neil Gaiman so much and I just, I've never liked trying to think about what will happen before the author's written it. And if you want to go back in and fill in the gaps, sure. But I, I, I want to see what Neil has for us and then I'll make a decision. Okay. All right. Lacey, same questions. Uh, I was, which which order? Um, I, I, I want you to say what you what you, what you want to see in season three, and then I want to know if you're going to go and read fan fiction about this. Oh, that's the answer to the second is obvious, but I will go into more detail about it when I get to that. What do I want from season three? Um, uh, I mean, well, we all kind of know what I want, which is I want I want Aziraphale <laughs> Crowley to get a happy ending because well, yes, but um, obviously, and, but beyond that, yeah, I want I want Aziraphale to have to do the apology dance. Um, because Crowley deserves that. Uh, I want, uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite things about this season has, is that it's such an arc for Aziraphale because I think in the first season, and part of this is because it's just really hard. Like our pop culture has a really hard time making being good, interesting. Mm -hmm. So in the first season, it's a lot of Crowley, like turned up to 11, like David Tennant's got on like skin tight jeans and leather and he's just being like really up to 11 all the time and a lot of times it feels like martin sheen who is incredible and deserves the entire earth lazy what michael sheen. Michael martin sheen. sheen what did i say i'm just I'm already, martin, fanfic, I'm already on the fanfic question michael sheen i love him would die for him um uh, is i think he's just does such an incredible job being in the margins of Crowley's story a lot. So one of the things I love the most about season two is I feel like it really is a lot bigger story for Aziraphale and Sheen gets a lot more to do in terms of Aziraphale separate from Crowley. And I think the reason the ending hits so hard, well, one of the many reasons the ending hits so hard, is that this whole series to this point has shown us that Aziraphale no longer fits in the box that he voluntarily puts himself back in at the end of the season. And he just has not... He does not, very humanly, does not have the strength to make the choice that he wants to make right there. So he goes back to what is familiar, even though it doesn't, you know, it doesn't fit anymore. So I'm really looking forward to how, well, besides the apology dance, which of course he does need to do, but like how, like what the next turn for him is there, because I think this is in a lot of ways his story. So I want, I want to see how... And I think you start to see it at the end of the season. Like he's already realizing that A, he was wrong and B, going back with the Metatron and being involved in the second coming and all that stuff. It's not what he wants to do. It's not a plan that he believes in. And so we're going to have to see him like definitively say that. And other than giving the humans the sword, like Aziraphale's not really big into like big definitive choices. Like he makes Crowley miracle dirt off his jacket. So, so he doesn't have to like count it against like his tally of like using miracles for superfluous things. So that's what I, I want. I want a real, I, I want more of this real like depth and, and story for Aziraphale in season three, because I don't know. I love him. And I think it's really just a testament to to Michael Sheen and and uh, what he's been able to infuse that character with when he's had to be the like less interesting. I'm, I don't think he's less interesting at all, but I feel like viewers probably see him that way a lot. Part of the central pair. What else? Um, I mean that's my big thing, but I also just am really interested as somebody who cares about such things. As how, as, as, you know, in the first season, we, like, averted the apocalypse. The world kept turning. How are we going to, like, avert the second coming, which is... They're going to have to give up everything and become human. That's... Yeah, but 
Okay, I, I can it. get into a long reason about why that probably wouldn't be enough to stop the second coming, but maybe. I don't know. But I feel like we have to deal with that, too. And then they have to buy their little college together, where hopefully Crawley will have a big garden where his plants can live freely outside. Um, fan fiction question. <laughs> um, I'm already reading the fan fiction. There's a lot of it. It's good. And if nobody believes me, Michael Sheen reads it. Michael Sheen no, is out there doesn't. reading all of them. Yes, he does. He is out there reading all the fanfic. David Tennant's like, oh, whatever. But Michael Sheen is like the world's biggest Crowley and Aziraphale shipper. And he's out there reading it. So come to the dark side, everyone. All right. Um, I think the thing I want to see most in season three, first of all, I want to see, because Crowley's about to hit rock bottom. And that's the kind of thing I absolutely freaking love is watching an actor get to do something like that. Get to just have like, just to lay it all out there and just go. And I really, really want to, I, I, as much as I agree with you that making good interesting is hard and that Sheen has done an amazing job with his character, especially in season two, I do feel almost like I need a little bit more tenant arc. Um, I'd like them both to have, like if season one was tenants and season two was Sheen's, I'd like season three to be for both. And I'd like Tennant to get some kind of arc where we get to see him like really hit rock bottom and get really angry and then pull himself out of it and find forgiveness. Like that's what I I, I definitely want that. Um, beyond, yeah, I think Crowley canonically has a habit of going to sleep for a century when bad things happen. It's true. <laughs> um, but I would rather him, especially with the second coming, I would like him to be woken up from his nap and forced to deal with things. And in fact, that might just make him crankier. Um, but I think the thing I want more than that and that I want more than anything else is more of the world build. All right. Like I love this universe more than I love the story, more than I love the Bible stuff, more than I love any of the other things. I love this world that they wander around in. And I want more of that. It is so it feels so real to me and it feels like a place where people could fan fiction in between the cracks just very easily because it's so rich. I'll and- have to send you a link. There's a really good series that's written from like outsider POVs of like somebody who owns a, a shop in a zero fails neighborhood or somebody who like oh, is the realtor who sells them their cottage. And it's very cute. Okay. Anyway, um, that that would for me is the thing that I want more than anything. Um, uh, um, um, uh, uh, um, sorry, the cat walked in again, and I just got massively distracted. Um, I, I think that's basically. Um, oh, and I am reading fan fiction, and that is how I have learned to deal with. You know, Emma, you said that you have this this big feel, this big thing of feeling. Um. <laughs> that uh that 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 you uh that that you have like i find that 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 is for me the way to deal with that is to go out and to read fan fiction it's great <laughs> i mean i'm not pressuring you i'm just I mean, and saying like, and like i will tell you as somebody who dabbles in fan fiction in many fandoms the writers in the good omens fandom are truly next level yeah i have read some garbage in fandoms of other ships that like I just like I need to read a fic about this this pairing or whatever and it's just like well this is the one that's here so I'm gonna read it and you get what you get but like everyone in the Good Omens fandom just makes me wish that I could write in that way there there is definitely some I I feel like part of the joy of reading Good Omens fanfic is also that uh you get you get to see there are so many good writers in it and so many of them clearly could be authors and that they have that that this is the this is that you you almost want to see you you almost like learn about authors before they get published in a way like you're seeing authors that are that are that are like I don't know zygote authors <laughs> that makes any sense like they're not they're not they're they're not fully fleshed yet but they're they're about to be born and they're they're anyway whatever um point being is that I I I highly recommend Ao3 for this for this fandom as well um. And if you have a, and if you have fan fiction for for Good Omens that you think we should read, you should definitely be emailing us. I mean, I've probably read it, but I'll read it again. the 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 volume I have consumed in the past week is 
quite honestly staggering. <laughs> so <laughs> just being honest, just being honest. Uh, final thoughts, Emma, anything? I love this season. We didn't get into my slight critiques of the pacing. Uh, there, I didn't love everything. Wait, give, that... give us your slight critiques no, of the pacing. No, I, I can't. Have nothing I can't mean to say, say about anything this. more about it. Um, well, no, I mean honestly, there was. Uh, you know, one of the things about the fact that we talk about the, uh, that I was talking about this is fan fiction is that I felt a lot of times like the pacing was what you read on Ao3, and that you it it works better on the page than it does in a television show yeah a lot of things dragged yeah there were definitely moments that dragged because you were getting that sort of fanfic stuff that in that that when because you get it in chapters and bursts and then you don't get for a while and you have to wait for the author to get back to it like you sort of put up with and that doesn't that gets tightened up in the fine that gets tightened up in most adaptations and didn't get tightened up here. Yeah, which I appreciate. I think it's fun. Um, it did drag. I overall I liked season one better, but I feel like I can't pass judgment on season two until we've seen the whole deal with season three. So I'm holding my final thoughts for probably several years until we get a third season. Pay the writers. <laughs> That's what that that. Pay the writer so Emma doesn't have to hold her thoughts for four years. <laughs> yeah. I know. They're ready. Just give them their contract. Annie, final thoughts. Um, final thoughts is that I am so glad that Good Omens got a season two. Um, as 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 worried as I was when Amazon uh renewed it, I'm really glad of how it turned out. I'm really glad we got this. I really want to see a season three, even though I would be totally happy with where we are now if that is all we ever get. Um, we'll be firing her after this podcast. <laughs> um, but honest, it's fine. I'm fired. Um, I can't support these sort of wrong things. <laughs> point being um, that I feel like this show really is something special. And that I I'm really hope that everybody like checks it out. And, and, and that's basically like my final thought. You know, that's kind of my final thought too. I just think that this this show is incredible. I can't believe that like it feels like a gift that we have the show that we have this this particular pair of actors playing this character these characters. I don't think I I don't think I said enough about how incredible Tennant and Sheen are together, but like they are It's amazing they've only really been working together since twenty what, eighteen, twenty nineteen? Like, they really feel like a, a pair of actors that have been together for decades. Like, decades. they are just incredible. They are perfectly cast. Like, their chemistry is off the charts insane. Like, the show is... And the show, I think, you know, I think it's just really good. I think it's important, not just for... I mean, it's important for all the things Emma said before about, look, how far we've come in terms of queer representation in our media. But I think it's important because it is important to not to not be cynical and to not be so anti big feelings and big beliefs and big faith and hope and all of these things that our entertainment at the moment currently likes to tell us suck. Uh, they don't suck. They're great actually. And I think this show is just such a little, uh, not to, this feels like a weird, this is what I said when I was talking about season one. And it feels a little weird to say to talk about season two because the ending's so sad, but there's a, Another Bible quote about the show something shown as a light in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. And that is that is how this little show feels to me. A little light in the darkness. I had to get one more Bible verse in there. Sorry, guys. No, no, it's fine. I love how on brand you are. This is the most on brand you've been since like the Green Knight. Real yeah, that was like me at peak on brand because <laughs> I wrote about that a lot in grad school. But anyway, um, if you want more of me being cringe, that episode is back in our archive. But uh, that is our show on Good Omens Season 2. It is just a perfect reminder that we support the actors and the writers who are striking for fair contracts and better pay. They deserve it. They made this thing that we love. They're going to make another thing that we love. Like I want them to get the chance to do that and us to get the chance to see it. Full solidarity and support behind them. Pay them. The end. Um, Emma, thank you for being with us. As always, and uh, tell the people where they can find you online. Thank you for having me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Emma O-N-D-I and on threads at 
Emma OD22. Annie, you're up. Threads. No one. No one. I know. I I wanted to believe in threads. Nope. I refuse to believe. I refuse to believe in threads and I still don't. Um, I am Annie Bundle everywhere, except on Facebook and threads because I signed up for threads and then never used it where I miss Annie Bundle. Otherwise, um, I'm Annie Bundle on Instagram, which is mostly just cat pictures and occasional food and occasional pretty lights, but, you know, usually cats. Um, Otherwise, I am the associate editor here at Televisions, and I also freelance around the web, so if you want to see what I wrote this week, just follow me on social media because that's where I retweet, re-skeet, re-post, re-whatever it is that we're calling it today. Re-X? No, I do not re-X. <laughs> I actually, I deleted the Twitter uh, app off my phone, guys. I did it. Well, um, wow. The X thing was too much. I haven't updated mine in so long that it's still the Twitter bird, so we'll be hanging on to that for as long as possible. Okay, fair, <laughs> fair. Mine became the X, and I got so upset because it looked like a porn app that I got rid of it. <laughs> anyway. Um, um, you're not wrong. <laughs> But also, like, this is what this is. Let this be an optic lesson, people. Don't leave your phone on auto update. Yeah, fair. Because I lost my little bluebird because I left things on auto update. I still got mine. He's still flying on my phone. I don't even have the for you tab. Anyway, point being, um, just just go find me somewhere and follow me and I'll retweet, re repost, re re whatever it, it is my stuff. Huzzah. I am uh, Lacey MB on Twitter threads. Blue Sky, all the other various social media clones that have sprung up over the past few months. And I don't know, trying to create content for all of them is exhausting. So there's a lot of the same posts in multiple places. I'm sorry in advance. If you just want the site and the pod, we are on social media at Tele underscore Visions on Twitter and Television's blog, all one word, on Facebook. If you like what we do, visit us at televisions.org for news, lists, recaps, reviews, all kinds of just emotional flailing about whatever. And... If you have thoughts about Good Omens, fanfiction, or otherwise, you can email us at televisions at weta.org. If you would like fanfiction recommendations, I got you covered, so hit us with that, too. Uh, As always, thanks for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. And, I don't know, hydrate, stay cool. I can't recommend the South in the summer very much because it's terrible, but... How did people survive here before air conditioners, man? I, I will tell you, I got used to, I grew up without an air conditioner and I was like, I'm weak now. I can't do it. <laughs> like I and now I am dependent on it, but I used to be able to. It's just, it's just all a matter of what you get used to, but it does suck. So stay cool, stay hydrated, uh, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. Maybe take a COVID test. There appears to be some kind of like gross wave of it going around right now. So just be safe, be aware, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>